0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: For one more time, I need to be the one who takes you home. For one more
2: time, this WSL season, welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan and I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. That's a wrap for the Women's Super League. Chelsea got the job done on the final day. But eight years in the top flight came to an end for Reading. We look back on a brilliant season, which leaves Man United holding their heads high. Aston Villa finishing in style and Leicester completing their mental turnaround. Right, before we get stuck in, we do have a guest this week. It's none other than Sophie Downey, best friend of the pod, wife of the co-host, mother of Scotty the Incredible Score Predicting Bunny. And before we even get stuck into you saying hi, Soph, we've also got to congratulate Soph and Rach on winning the inaugural Women's Football Award Award Broadcast slash journalist of the year on Thursday. Seeing you guys walk up on stage and collect your award, I felt like proud mum of the decade. <laughs> it was beautiful.
1: It was just iconic. I mean, congratulations, guys. How did it feel picking up that award? Very surreal. Um, given the people we were nominated with, it definitely wasn't something we were expecting. So it's probably just as well we didn't have an opportunity to speak because I'm not sure what we would have said. <laughs>
3: I'm just glad I made it to the stage without falling over on my heels. That's the main thing.
1: No, you did it
2: both very gracefully. I got a video of you taking it from the table all the way up um, past the sign that said "Beat Alex Scott." Um, <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely amazing. And uh, your mum? What did your mum get you for
1: Sophie's mum? Oh, Sophie's mom, your mum. Yeah, managed to by the by the next evening had managed to find the tweet, screenshot the tweet, have the tweet printed and framed. Um, so yeah, we have a frame of our of our kind of award tweet uh, that Sophie's mom has. Sort I didn't of even
3: know she used Twitter, so that's a learning for me.
2: God, that's an, that's <laughs> incredible from your from your mum. I mean, where's that hanging? Is that like a loo a loo icon photo, or is that is it sort of taking pride of place on the mantelpiece type? Go in our,
3: our football museum, I think, when we actually make it properly. Okay. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, I will be your first guest at the museum, obviously. We've got to move swiftly on because it has been a big, bloody weekend. Chelsea win the Grand National. See what we did there? See what we did there? (laughs) Yes. With 58 points. And Reading fall off the proverbial cliff. See what I did there as well. With just 11 points in 22 games. That's quite a feat to pick up that little points in one season. So congratulations, Reading, on, on doing that. But I mean... It was a comfortable win, wasn't it? It I was. I can't believe um, you just
1: congratulated Redding
2: on getting such low points. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's hard to do. Like that's. Um. That's that's no mean feat. So I've I've got to give them something. Um. And I've got to give them something because Grace Maloney also had the absolute game of her life. I mean, she was. Doing her absolute is. it was Chelsea on the front foot for pretty much from the start, from the get go. So many Chelsea chances. There was a beautiful chance. Grace Maloney just got fingertips to it, tipped it onto the bar, and like she looked so impassioned. She looked like a pe- the, one of the only people on that squad who actually understood the importance of that game. I mean, you guys were there. How did you find it? I mean, Sophie, what what were your thoughts? Well,
3: I think to that point, Grace Maloney is reading through and through. She came through to the academy. She practically lives and breathes that club along with Kelly Chambers so I can only imagine how heartbreaking that when that final whittle went how heartbreaking that was for her because um, she's been there a long long time she's seen it grow seen the club up as well um, in their eight seasons in the top division um, and I think yeah she was just trying her utmost to do absolutely anything and it was just a shame not many of the other players were on her level.
1: You know this, Chloe. You more often than not, your best game as a goalkeeper is a goal, a game you lose. Mm. And I think that's probably the situation for Grace. Was that she played a, a great game, had made some great saves, and it's that you know personal pride. Great, I have played well and made good saves. But equally, then you lose the game, and un- unfortunately, like that was the hardest bit as well. Was that Chelsea got to lift their trophy at the Reading Ground Painful. while Reading got relegated? That was that was a bittersweet kind of. Moment And that must have been really difficult for Reading to not only have to deal with being relegated, but the compound that sadness is to watch Chelsea lift the trophy. It's
3: like properly twisting the knife in, yeah. isn't it? And just making it super painful having to watch all of the celebrations. OK, well,
2: let's talk about Chelsea. They are the winners. I feel reluctant to even kind of give them airtime, but it's obviously very important to. to do that. Um, a very comfortable win for them, like like I said. I mean, Guru Raiden involved in one assist. One goal, Sam Kerr getting the last one, and then a big all round win. Everyone celebrates. It's Magda and and Harder's last, like, farewell. And then they lift the trophy. Emma Hayes is like, post match, it's gin o'clock. You'll find me tomorrow in North London on a park bench with a bottle of gin. I'm assuming it's Hendrix and not like, you know, London Tesco finest or something like that. Yeah, yeah, big quality, like the top drawer, top drawer gin. But yeah, I mean, rightly so. Like, she deserved to celebrate. It's been another fantastic season for her, but also not
1: an easy one. Yeah, and I think, you know, I've seen things floating around that, like, this is just Chelsea's dominance and, like, the league isn't competitive. And I think, I think you need, like, that's quite a lazy way to look at it if you're just looking at a table and saying, of Chelsea have won it four times um, in a row. Um, This was a hard league. This was a hard season. Um, We had four teams in contention at one point for winning it for quite a chunk of the season. And um, even up until previous weekend, Arsenal mathematically still could have won it. So mm-hmm. you still had three teams that could have won it. Um, and you look at relegation, four teams battling it out for a lot, the, much of the second half of the season. So yes, I know Chelsea have won it again, but like we have to give plaudits. Like things don't happen overnight. You don't just start funding a team like Aston Villa do and then suddenly you're going to just start winning trophies and titles. It takes a while for that to build. And Aston Villa are already making a mark and already making a dent in that top four and picking up points here and there. So it is going to take time. But I think, yeah, this has been the most exciting season. Uh, and as as Hayes, Hayes said, the hardest year of her career, obviously, personally as well, um, having to go through that emergency hysterectomy surgery in October. But yeah, I just think seeing so many teams, you look at Arsenal, like how did Arsenal even get Champions League with the mm-hmm. amount of injuries they had? Like, it, it was a crazy season. Um, but yeah, I think... Dominance wise, I think it's gonna get only get harder for Chelsea to maintain that dominance.
3: I think um, Hayes said it post match. We had several analogies. One about keeping afloat and um, above above water, so you don't drown, with everyone else trying to chase you. And also there was a skydiving one. I think falling, uh, jumping out of a plane. But basically, the, what her point was that it's getting harder and harder every year, and she's just trying to keep herself above, and Chelsea above above the water, one step ahead of all of those people that are trying to kind of drag her down and drag her back into... a lot. We
2: love an analogy the... here. Well, <laughs> we she's, love it. She
1: basically said it's the fear of losing that drives her more than the enjoyment of winning. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, the fear was probably the biggest this season, the fear of losing because you had so many on her heels.
2: It, well, it was just so realistic this year. I think it's the first time, well, not the first time, I mean, every single, well, the last two Years have definitely been very competitive. There's always been a point in it. Arsenal have always been hot on the heels. But this time, like you said, there were so many contenders. And because they spent large parts of this season looking up and knowing that they had to get those points. Yeah, it was Chelsea, it was always kind of Chelsea's to lose uh, Chelsea's to lose because they had that game in hand. But they were still looking up for large parts of the season. And in last game of the season, you didn't know what they were going to pull out because that game meant so much to them. So... Yeah, it was um, it was a tough one. It was a very hairy end of the season. Is it as it has been for the past couple of years? It's been really bloody competitive. But you know, we are seeing. It was I think it was more emotional, maybe by the by, obviously the fact that Emma Hayes has been through so much personally, and also now you know two players, two of her biggest, most significant, impactful, um, you know, players who are also leaders on and off the field, like leaving them behind I mean that that's huge she's obviously gone through the injuries as well Bright there Um, we had a controversial moment at the um, at the Athletic actually about whether Bright should have turned up to the FA Cup final in her full kit or whether that was inappropriate I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on that (laughs) so Um, I
3: wonder if it's a directive from the FA so I know for okay I I don't know insider knowledge but the whole do you remember when the whole stuff with John Terry went down Mm -hmm. at the Champions League final or vaguely when he turned up in his full kit? And actually, it turns out that UEFA instruct that if you're going to go up and lift a trophy, you have to be in your your kit. They didn't mean that you needed to put it in the shin pads, which is what he added, <laughs> amazing. Um, but I I wonder if it's just a thing for the photos and stuff that you have to be in your your kit. Do
1: you know what though? I also didn't notice was that Chelsea went and changed from their away kit into their blue kit. You got I, to, it's but I, d- I didn't even notice. I was sat there like getting ready to shoot, and like someone pointed it out, and I was like, oh fuck yeah, the the chicken nugget colour kit's gone. And they're wearing... Chicken nugget coloured Someone, Someone said it to me Someone said it And now I can't unsee it. And now I can't unsee it. And it's it. also the Chicken Nuggets 40th year anniversary. Just want to throw is that in as some insider knowledge. Imagine. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, they all went off and they changed it into their blue kit, which I failed to notice, which is quite worrying.
2: Jesus oh, Well, I didn't... I, well, I didn't notice it either. And to me, that kind of says, well, Chelsea came along knowing that they were going to win that and pick that up. So, yeah. But I mean, where does that leave... Emma Hayes, do you think, for next season? She's obviously been through a lot. It's been a big couple of years. She's achieved a lot. We're hearing that she's told Vic Akers that she's coming for his record. <laughs> he won the 36 major trophies at Arsenal between 1993 and 2009. Hayes has won
1: 14. So a small gap. Um, yeah, but like when you look at how competitive <laughs> it is now, um, winning those 14 is is pretty impressive. Um, it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, she has spoken a lot in post-match about things outside of football and the the importance of things outside of football and I think maybe it was her emergency surgery at the beginning of the season has made her more reflective Mm -hmm. um, and and given her a bit more perspective and of course she speaks a lot about her son who was there and had a go at lifting the trophy in front of the fans as well which is really sweet. Um, You know, but she's a serial winner and it wouldn't surprise me if she carries on at Chelsea. She wants that Champions League. Mm. Um, But equally, you know, I just, I can't see her ever leaving the game. I think like she's, Going to be in the game for the long run, um, and I'm sure she'll she'll probably stay at Chelsea for a little while longer. But wherever she she ends up, they're just going to be so lucky to have her.
3: What about you, Save, Is it one more time
2: for Emma Hayes
1: this
3: season? I, I think she's yeah. I think she's built up a bit of a. We keep saying it in press uh, post match. She's built up a dynasty at mm-hmm. um, at Chelsea. It's one of the teams that will be considered a dynasty in terms of what they've won and how they've dominated the top of English football for the last few years, um, there will naturally come a time where that ends. It mm-hmm. always does. Uh, and I I, th- I think you're right, Rach, that she's, she is more reflective in post-match. She talks about her son and missing him and him missing her a lot. Um, but I, I'm not quite sure. I think the Champions League might be the, be the one that will keep her around for a little bit. Just like, keep on hanging on. Just in case. It's the next season that they're going to do it. It's the next
2: one. I mean, they were so bloody close this year. Um, but another player that we are all going to be very sad to see, who has confirmed that they, that she will be departing, both of them, Ericsson and Harder. Um, after the game, Ericsson said, I think this is my favourite title. The way we've done it this year, I don't think any other team has used every single player in their squad like we have with the amount of games we've had. I think everyone has played that part and it has been very important. I mean the impact that those two have had. I mean, Ericsson, when she when she was subbed off, I mean, she had standing ovation, crowd goes wild, everyone knows it was her final appearance. Um, yeah, I mean, how did it feel? The atmosphere must have been sort of, a, you know, well done to you, but also please don't leave it on Yeah, at all.
1: Uh, Pernilla Harder had a, a standing ovation as well. And it was quite nice because, you know, she clapped the crowd as she went off. And when Ericsson went off, there was time enough for her to go over to Marrylda and, and give her the armband and have a hug. And I think she hugged one or two players on the way off the pitch. Like Reading had thrown in the towel at the eighty-six minute. They all, already made an announcement in eighty-six minutes that was like, "Please don't invade the pitch um, when in the inevitable trophy lift happens." That Chelsea very deservedly have won in this WSL. And I was that the like, actual announcement. It was basically yeah, they, and I was like, at least wait until the bloody game, like. Didn't Reading win a game 2-1 in the 90-something minute? But no, they'd basically thrown in the towel. <laughs> but yeah, the the two of them got a lovely standing ovation and I think we spoke about it on last week's pod that Chelsea managed their exit really well and I think gave the fans loads of time to kind of tell them how important they were to them. They were given loads of gifts at the last game, at their last home game. Um, and the two of them made a lot of time for the fans as well and made sure they got photos taken and everything. But yeah, there'll be two huge losses. Um, and I think Carter never really sh- got to show just how good she can be. Mm. Um, like when you think of her being injured for so much of the season, she still scored 11 goals and 15 appearances Madness. across <laughs> all all competitions. So me pipping her as the potential golden boot winner as a total left field wasn't entirely crazy because if she'd actually been around for the season, she could have actually had an incredible season because... That last tail end, she was um she was brilliant. But yeah, big, big loss, I think I, to the league. I love
2: how you've shoehorned in the fact that your prediction would have been right had fate not been against her. Do you know what? It was mm. better
1: than yours, which was Ella Toon, three goals and twenty-eight appearances. So <laughs>
2: Moving swiftly on. Um, someone who also may or may not be making an exit, but has spoke sort of fairly positively about the fact that she'll be around next season. Kelly Chambers. I mean, been with Reading since 2015, and progressively every single season for the past three years, they seem to be going further and further down the table. Last year they were eighth. The year before that they were seventh. The year before that was the fifth, and then obviously now they've been been relegated. I mean, so I don't I don't think she's a bad manager. I just think there are so many different factors playing against her: the budget, the discontent that we've seen from some of the players. I mean, what's your kind of taking it? Do you think Kelly's sticking around? Do you think she's going to stick it out in the Championship, or she's going to move
3: on? <laughs> So she said post-match that she wanted to reset and rebuild despite all of the emotion and she was very emotional. Um, So we'll see if that happens. I think that, as you say, there's a lot going on around the club. Kelly Chambers is a very, very good manager and she has a very, very good coaching staff. And I know from talking to other managers in the league that they consider them one of the best coach teams in the division. Uh, It just happened that the resources that they have you know they have the smallest budget in the league. We all know the financial difficulties that Reading, as a football club, are going through, and you just have to hope that dropping down into the Championship doesn't ruin kind of all of the hard work that Kelly Chambers has built. Because she is literally that football club. She is, you know, the head of the academy. She mm-hmm. does all of the girls' work. She's at times she's been a physio. Uh, is it's she literally does all of the work, all of the groundwork for that club and what she was. four four weeks away from giving birth on Saturday. So absolutely incredible woman uh, in what she's achieved with the the football club. I just hope the club do back her and support her next season and don't take away the full-time model around players because if they they go into a part-time model, that's not going to work in the championship these days. You need a full-time model. Mm.
1: What I thought was interesting was they gave her a guard of honour at the game for her 20 years in the game. And part of me, like, I felt that that was just a little bit telling. Was that a goodbye to Kelly Chambers? Oh, okay. Um, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see her in the WSL next season. Um, of course, she's going to be continuing to make her plans for Reading. You know, it's, if you're looking for another job, you don't kind of sack in your current one. But, you know, and obviously she is Reading through and through. And if, if she does leave Reading, she will want to leave it in the best possible place. But she said at post match, I think it was post match, that like teams down in the championship have bigger budgets than Reading. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we know that the championship is not a, a league that you can go down and bounce straight back up again. Um, it's so competitive. So I do worry for Reading. Um, and I do think the WSL shouldn't lose her. I'd really like her to stay in it.
3: I think that's the thing, isn't it? Kelly Chambers is a good enough manager to be in the WSL. It's just purely up to her what challenge she wants to take, whether she wants to take one of the free opportunities that are now going in the WSL, or whether she is what fires her up is trying to rebuild Reading, and because of her links with that club and she's been there for twenty years, it's it's purely her decision, I think, what she wants to do next. Well, I've heard
2: there's an opening going at West Ham. Um, great show. and Spurs because so Vicky Jackson's
1: still only. Temporary.
2: Well, there's, yeah, two potential job openings uh, for Kelly if she does want to stay up. I mean, she does feel like the kind of leader who could um, instill a sense of confidence, I think, in Reddin to get them back up into the WSL at some point. But I also feel like, and I also think that the league is going to be expanded. Now that we've got the National League, the two teams going up from the South and the North Division going into the Championship, I do think at some point they're going to do some announcement next season for two teams to go up to make it slightly more competitive and to give... Teams a better chance. It's bottlenecking, so maybe that will play into it as well. But it's not necessarily, I think, the WSL doesn't want to see teams like Reading that don't have the big Premier League backing because you do need funds to be able to invest in the best players, the best facilities, all the strength and conditioning coaches, the media team, the marketing, playing at the big stadiums. So Reading isn't a team that really kind of fits the mould of what the WSL wants to see anymore. So I don't know. I feel like Kelly might be a better fit at one of the big budget clubs, the West Ham, Spurs. Spurs. So. We'll have to wait and see. Um, just a quick word also on Leicester. Uh, they had zero points when Willie Kirk stepped in and took over uh, and finished 10th with 16 points. I mean, not bad for them. I heard he's been given podcasts a bit of grief, Sophie said, which I was quite surprised about.
3: I, I think they were just talking about people who had counted them out throughout the season. It probably gave them a bit of, of fire. Um, I wasn't one of them. I have to say, no, she called um, that in. <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I called it in January. I thought they were going to come back. I thought they were way too good to be in the position that they were in, especially with their players coming back from injury that they were getting back. Um, and Willie Kirk as a manager is probably one of the best there is in in the division. He wasn't given his his time at Everton to work his magic, but um, I think he has been given it at Leicester. And what he's done is the first time a team in the WSL have ever overcome a seven point deficit. I don't think I think they were winless at the winter break, mm. uh, so to have overcome that is fantastic. And they were really playing some lovely, lovely football. Um, they've got some really good youngsters coming through a really good academy. Uh, Hannah Kane, I thought is I think is one of the best young players out there. She's so intelligent. She might not always get involved in the goals, but the way that she reads the space and her vision on the pitch, just making movement for the other mm-hmm. other attackers to come through and 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 profit from that. So I think they've got got a good base. It's now just about them. Building on that and making sure that then, you know, it's two years in a relegation battle. Next year, they can't be in a relegation battle. They have to push on. Absolutely.
1: But I would like to say, I don't think it was that crazy to mm. write them off in December when Wild. no team had ever overcome a seven-point deficit. And if it did fuel them, then, you know, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, but equally, I think, how did they do it? I think their January signings, the same with Spurs. And again, Kelly Chambers alluded to this. That's what kept... Reading sorry that's what kept Leicester and Spurs up I think are the January signings those signings played such a big part like Leicester's goalkeeper Leipzig and um, Bethany England at Spurs mm-hmm. obviously banging in the goals third in the goal scoring charts as well which is crazy um and I, and that's where Reading couldn't compete mm-hmm. um and I think that is what kind of you know very shrewd signings from Willie Kirk um and they did the business
2: it was such a quick impact as well it was literally Willie Kirk comes in makes some signings Be christmas January, February, seems to be bossing it. Tail off a bit, but they've already done enough. So cool, peace out. But Willie, don't don't start massive beef with the podcast that it was ridiculous of us to think that you were in the relegation battle this year. You were in it. Well in it. You were um, until the last day. Literally, you were <laughs> fingertips on the cliff. We've talked about this. So don't don't come at us, Willie, but we appreciate everything you've done. Well done.
0: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors Inc.
2: Right. I've been told by producer Finn to keep the next section to 10 minutes, but it's on Manchester United. So oh. things fall episode Here may we go. <laughs> or may not escalate. I heard they picked up three points against Liverpool. It was 1-0. Uh, they took it down to the last day. Obviously, uh, by this point, it wasn't enough. Chelsea winning their game. Um, Who scored? <sighs> don't even That woman. Just saying her name excites me. She's just amazing. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they did have a battle on their hands. Liverpool definitely put up a fight and they made it very, very hairy. Um, they knew they had to win. And they did. And Mary Earps picks up a record, a new WSL record for the 14th clean sheet. We'll touch on that in just a second. But yeah, guys, what did you think of the game? I mean, Rach?
1: <sighs> it was um, a little bit hairy, I think. They they could have put it to bed. They, they did dominate possession and chances. Um, so I think, you know, had Reading done something wild and... Man United, because I know Mark Skinner had said they were going to be keeping an eye Mm -hmm. on the score, which I always find so interesting. Some managers are like, nope, not going to say anything, not going to look at it out of our control. Some managers do want to know. So then party is wondering, does that then bleed into the team where you're like, oh my God, we could actually do this? Um, But yeah, I'm surprised it was just the 1-0. And a shame that, uh, that, you know, it wasn't enough in the end, but he was quite, uh, in his press conference before the match, he was insistent that, Man United had not been given enough credit this season, which I thought was really interesting because I think they really have been. Um, um, and hello, he, well, yeah, apart from you. But he basically said that one of the reasons was because a lot of the um, current pundits are ex Chelsea and Arsenal players, which obviously because Man United didn't really have a team in the professional league um, does play into it. But it just seemed like he was saying that like they always caveat their praise of Man United with the fact that Arsenal have had injuries and Chelsea have had injuries and. I haven't heard that. Like, I've heard so many people give United so many plaudits, deservedly so this season. Mm. Um, it's similar with Emma Hayes before the FA Cup final. And she was like, you guys have all written us off. It's like, nobody wrote Chelsea off this Absolutely season. What not. are you talking about? So maybe it's just a little bit of mind games, something to kind of fire up the team um, before the match. But um, yeah, look, to be fair, you know, they did all they could do. They, You know, I think it came down to, we were talking about this before we started recording, it came down to that Everton draw. You know, there's little moments and seasons that you think this could be the turning point. This could be the thing where you're no longer leading the pack. You're, Mm. you know, they were ahead, but Chelsea always had the game in hand. And, you know, I I still think they've had an incredible season. Obviously their best season to date and they should be hugely proud of everything that they've achieved. You know, the fact that it came down to the final final day of the season um, and they pushed Chelsea right to the end is brilliant.
2: I mean, it was a, it was, it was one of those heart in ass moments uh, for me. Our favourite type of moments.
1: <laughs> Is that even a saying? No, it's your saying. No, it's literally <laughs> You've not. You've made saying. it up.
2: No one says that <laughs> during the Euros last year. Interesting from me. Um, yeah, I think uh, watching the game, I was getting a little bit worried towards the end because I think um, Liverpool just did such a good job of closing United down. I think they only had two attempts on target before halftime, which is bloody good. Um Mary Herbs uh making a, a really good um stop against their Emma Visto just before um Garcia Garcia's lovely finish. Um but again I mean Liverpool we've we I mean they they've been doing amazing as a as a first season back into the WSL you couldn't have asked for a better start, really. Mid-table, their mid-table and everything, been very consistent, taken down top teams as well, put up a fight on the last day of the season and also had a record-breaking crowd travelling to Prenton Park, 5,778.
3: I think Liverpool have done so well this season. I was writing about them yesterday, actually, and uh, the fact that they came up and they had the experience of, of players who'd been in the division before, I think that was massive for them. If you look at like past season, so Leicester last season, A lot of the players probably hadn't had that much WSL experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, Liverpool, they all had. Like, if you look at Rhiannon Roberts, Niamh Farheath, they've all played WSL football before, and they might be a little bit older, um, but they still got that experience, and I think that, you know, served them well, really. Mm -hmm. It was their away form that led them down the season. I think they only picked up five points on the road. Uh, Their home form, though, I'm not surprised by their game against United at the weekend because their home form has been terrific, and it's what's got them that seven-plate seventh place finish Um, so yeah a lot to be credited for for Matt Beard Um, he's done a lot and it's going to be a bit of a interesting summer I think seven departures already announced yeah Uh, there's going to be a bit of a rebuild going on in terms of just trying to bring in that extra piece of quality to get them like properly into that top half of the division and make sure that they aren't dropping into that relegation uh, battle next year. Back
2: to their former glory we could see in the next couple of seasons. Um, But again, we've got to go back to Man United because like, one of my biggest fears for them this season is obviously they've got a big summer transfer window coming up. There's still question marks over Alessia Russo. There's still question marks over Anna uh, Anna Onabaje. Mary Earps just picked up her 14th WSL record winning season clean sheet just had a contract extension which is amazing but that's only for a year so she's i mean she's eyes are going to be on her especially with the world cup coming up as well the value of her is probably going to increase twofold next year so it's um it's a hairy one it's going to be a big summer for Skinner trying to not only make sure that he's keeping the talent that he has but also attracting new talent in and the right type of talent that's going to fit with the type of squad that he's built because the players have built such a there's there's a cohesion there they all seem to really enjoy playing together. I think they the relationships that they have within the squad, you know, Russo and Toon being one of them, I think has is, is been massive. And, you know, Galton is, again, have been such another key player for them. But I think it's going to be a season where we're, the budget is going to be what, defines their next season can they put their hands into their very deep pockets at Man United and say we're actually going to invest And this season we need to be competing with the likes of Arsenal and Chelsea in terms of our
1: budgeting firepower I think the fact that they came so close to two um, trophies this season will be massive in terms of retaining players and that they've gotten Champions League. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably why we've not seen the likes of Leslie Russo um, put pen to paper yet. Mm. I'd say she very much wanted to see how the team ended up and maybe find out what their commitment is going to be for next season. Because also to factor in that, I mean, Man United are always an attractive option for a player. But now you're a team that's in Champions League. It opens the doors to to more and, and better players. And Mark Skinner has already said that they need to look at that. They need to look at the types of talent they need to be able to compete um, not just in the Champions League but in more competitions now right the loading is mm-hmm. going to increase for them because they're going to have more games to play um, so yeah I think they're a very attractive package for any player um, you know I'm, whether on a will stay I'm not sure but you know I think they're in a, a better position to hold on to Leslie Russo um, because really she, to go somewhere where you're guaranteed to win the league is hard um, you're, you're going to, to go somewhere where you have a good chance of winning the league and be in Champions League, and you've got that at Man United. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hearing
2: a is sort of one foot out the door at the moment, heading over to Barca, which would be an absolute massive
1: loss. Uh, she's been one of their best players this season. Yeah, she's been outstanding. Um,
2: yeah, so I mean, what kind of impact would that have in Man United, and who they'd need to bring in to fulfill such a massive hole that that would
3: leave? I I was only think- a small question for you. <laughs> I was I was thinking that you can't think about the hole that like you have to just recruit on the qualities of the next player coming up. You mm-hmm. can't think about... It's a bit like Kira Walsh at Manchester City yep. this season. I think for the first part of the season, Gareth Taylor was trying to fil- make someone else Kira Walsh and actually that's not how you go about things. So I think it's just going to take some smart recruitment going on. I think Ona was wanting to leave... Like, well, not wanting to leave, but had one foot out the door last season. Mm-hmm. There was rumours about her going to Barcelona last summer. Um, It didn't happen. So it's not an overall surprise that she will be heading back to Spain this summer. Um, but I, I think that Manchester United, could, United if they put their their minds to it, could attract any any talent that they want now. They've got a fairly good sized squad. Mm. That's probably been their main problem in this season is because he's not been rotating all that much. A lot of the subs didn't get a lot of game time. So someone like a Adriana Leon, mm-hmm. who's now on loan in Portland, I think, um, she she got no game time at all. And she was a pretty she was West Ham's best best player for the last two seasons or something. So, he's now got more game time to fill fill those boots with, I guess. So it's going to take a different kind of management than what he's had this year with those extra games. United should, with the quality they have, they should get through second round of qualifying the Champions League, mm. and they should make the group stage. I, I love There's that. no question about it. When you look at the talent of their squad, I know they don't have the experience, but they have the talent. Um, and then that really is about game management because you're playing you know, games every week, every two games a week, every week, if you know what I mean. Massively. So it's going to be a rethink for Mark Skin about who he brings in. There is a lot of talent out there. I think, I think it will be busy summer all around
2: anyway. 100%. I think like you said, like you both said, I mean, squad depth is the big thing. Um, you know, when you're looking at the fact they're going to be competing in the league, the league which probably might expand in the next two or three years. Plus, you're also factoring in the fact that they are now going to the finals of the FA Cup. They're making it to the latter stages of the the Conte Cup. They're going to be hopefully progressing as relatively far in the Champions League as well. So, they're going to have a whole host of fixtures that they now have to deal with, and they've been quite lucky, really. They haven't, they haven't, we haven't seen the kind of ACL, MCL injuries that a lot of the other Touch clubs wood. have. So, do we think maybe? That it's going to be a very difficult, this was the last opportunity for them to maybe pick up, not the last opportunity, but it would have been a really bloody good opportunity. One of the best opportunities to pick up a title in a, in a year where Arsenal has seen so many injuries. And also next season, we do have to factor in they're going to have Champions League football to compete with. And it'll be the first time they've ever had to do that.
1: I don't know. I think, to be fair, this was their first opportunity to pick yeah. up a trophy. Um, and you don't generally win it first time around. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of reminds me a bit of Grand Slam tennis. You see a lot of players make it to a final, make it to, and you need the experience we saw with England. You need the experience in semifinals. You need the experience getting out of semifinals. You then need the experience in finals before you really start to win things. And I think we've talked about this a lot. Mark Skinner has spoken about experience and I think they've banked so much of that, that it's not a missed opportunity. It's just another step in the, in the progress. And it was their first chance to win trophies this season realistically they've you know they've never been that close before so it doesn't feel like it's a it's a missed up for me
3: I think it's just building those foundations as you kind of say I think the main worry I had about United this year just going on the previous year's experiences was that they would drop off in games and they'd drop off after January mm-hmm. and you've seen that this year that they haven't dropped off in games and they didn't drop off after, after after January and it was all about building those bank of experiences that got the players into the right place where they didn't you know ever dip in kind of form or even when they did they always kind of managed to find a way to win or to at least get a point out of a game uh, that was a massive difference this year compared to other seasons and it's just it's just the progress on the path to to getting towards that trophy winning team mm. is that you just need to bank up these experiences and Mark Skinner said it over and over again this season is it's just yeah making sure you you learn a lot and, and build on those learnings to get you better for the next game, for the next season. Massively. I think, Um, yeah, like you said,
2: the bank of experience is, is I think that has been one of the changes. We talk about mentality monsters and things like that, but there does seem to be now a belief that they will just win the games they're expected to. It might come very last minute. I mean, the last couple of games, we just saw Luthier Garcia sort of getting, you know, last minute or very late in the day winners, but
3: they do it. And that's Manchester United mentality, isn't it? I mean, we've always known Manchester United as a club. that They never... It's never over until it's over. And I think that's now seeping into the women's side as well. Um, That they, they know that they can win a game in the 95th minute if they have to.
2: Bring on Fergie time. This time it's Skinner time. Aston Villa... One two nil against Arsenal away, uh, and this came straight after our interview, a uh, rate interview with Carla Ward uh, last week. Is that a coincidence? We think. No, uh, it's not. Was that a factor that played into their massive Probably. win? Probably. I'm available if managers want
1: to have a chat before big games. I'm happy to.
2: I think it must be quite helpful though for managers just to reflect on their experiences, to talk about what's happened, to really sort of get things off their chest in a you know a cathartic way to go into the last game of the season. I think it, it clearly had, you know, I. Arsenal have a lot of injuries. Yes, it was probably, you know, them thinking, okay, well, this Solid game Villa. doesn't really matter. Like, we've already secured Champions League. We're not, regardless of how we do, we're still going to get that third spot. We can't do anything more about it. Arsenal was a bit kind of like a. <sighs>
1: do you might, know? Might as well. Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Champions League last season when Arsenal lost like 4 0 to Kouya or someone like that. Do you remember? And they basically had to avoid losing 5 0, mm. and they were guaranteed to go through the group stage and they were a team that they should have beaten and they rocked up and they lost like 4-0 and everyone was still like oh well thank god they're still qualified and <laughs> it felt a bit like that it was a bit like uh you know i did think at one point when man city were 3-0 up and arsenal were 2-0 down i was like lads like this could happen like this swing could happen <laughs> not like
2: they had to score like 11 goals to make it the champions league no football. not score
1: 11 goals the goal difference was 11 so if if arsenal are conceding and and um Man City are scoring that gap like gets less and like the number of goals City would have had to score would have gotten less and less as Arsenal kept conceding. That would have been but explosive. It would have been hilarious. Um, but also like credit to Villa as well. They had injuries, especially against the Liverpool um team the previous week. Carlos spoke about the injuries they had. So you know it's a, great to see Rachel Daly get another goal as well. Um, and yeah, well done to them. It's another scalp for Villa this season.
3: It's the first time they've beaten Arsenal, and I think Arsenal and Chelsea have always been there kind of bogey teams as it were it was the one they're the two sides that they've never quite been able to get over um, so I, I think they've finally got that over Arsenal that gives them a good platform for next season when they they come up against each other knowing you you can beat them it is massively helpful and I think it just kind of ended the season in the right way for Aston Villa they've been such trail like trailblazers this season mm-hmm. is that the word Uh, they've been kind of showing the way for the rest of the pack and showing what they can do and um, as you call them, the disruptors as well against against the top four. So yes, I think it was a perfect way to end it. And she signed a contract extension on the same day. So, Well, it was announced on the same day. So they've got her until Carla Ward until 24, 25 season with an option to extend. So that's massive for the club as well. It just shows a consistency and a um, the level of stability that they need to keep building and try and break into that top four eventually. I know Carla will always say, it doesn't happen overnight and it, it it doesn't and I think if we go now and say they're definitely going to be top four next season I think that would be a bit of a stretch but if they could cement that fifth place spot mm. and start building from there to get into that fourth third spot then it, it's about the progress
2: well I mean when you look at where Villa have finished up I mean they ended up with 37 points which is only 10 points clear of third place I mean that's Wild. That's absolutely mad. Um So I think, I mean, you've got to give them credit. I mean, under Carla Ward, they've absolutely flourished. And, you know, Rachel Daly as well, equaled Vivian Miedemar's record for most goals in a WSL season, which is 22, just the 22. She also won the Barclays WSL player of the season last week. I mean, she's been absolutely phenomenal. I mean,
3: just to think that we spent last summer watching her at left back for England. Crazy. And then we spent all of the season watching her banging in the goals for Villa up front. It was... um quite a crazy turnaround like we all knew she could play that position uh, but maybe not quite as fruitful
1: as we would never probably expected it to be as fruitful as it was i think as carla ward said like they'd hoped that she'd score maybe what 10 12 goals for them you mm-hmm. know and when when the board heard that they were bringing in a a left back to deal with their goal drought problem mm-hmm. um it must have seemed like a real punt but like for probably one of the surprises is if you'd said who's gonna equal or beat that Vivian Medema record, I don't think anyone would have said Rachel Daly. I don't think anyone would have thought Rachel Daly at the beginning of the season. Well, we would have been getting more Bunny Shaw down that route, really. Sam Kerr, yeah, absolutely. Um, or so, harder should have been fit. Well, I'm telling you, <laughs> um, you, you you just you're just sore that Honestly, your choice was worse. Than it was mine. bad. It was a bad choice. Um, but no, she's been yeah deservedly player of the season, and I always find it really interesting, you know, when. Amidema, say, gets nominated for a player of the season and, and people who don't support Arsenal will say, well, she doesn't score in the big games. Mm-hmm. And then you have someone like Rachel Daly who does score in the big games, but the argument now is, well, she's not won anything. The team hasn't won anything, so it's less you know, important. There's always these arguments to not give it to mm-hmm. the person in, who generally does deserve it because she is scoring in the big games. She's turning up and she's being a game changer for Aston Villa. And yes, they might not have won anything, but the progress that they've made this season is should be fully commended, and I think she's a huge reason for that.
2: Well, a player who hasn't, well, who has made an impact, but it personally, but hasn't made an impact on the squad, Spurs. I mean, what a disappointing season for them, finishing up ninth uh, with eighteen points, just two points clear of Leicester and Brighton this season, despite bringing in a superstar signing in January for two hundred fifty thousand pounds, Beth England for oh, the effort that she has put in to that team has
3: got them nowhere. Um, and I, it's not it's not her fault. She did get them to safety. I think without her, they would have been properly...
1: Oh my God, their, she scored like 12 goals in the, for them. In
3: the, yeah, I know she got two at Chelsea, so 14 goals this season in total. She ended up the third top goal scorer.
1: Well, think you about know, it. like
3: a player who'd missed the first half of the season, yeah. practically, mm. that's incredible.
1: She They scored in total 31 goals this season. If we take out that eight against Brighton, that's twenty three. Beth's basically scored the other half. Like Jeez. that's that's crucial. And um, Spurs have been the biggest frustration for me. And I know I've said this before that they they overachieved last season, but my god, have they massively underachieved this season? They that have been a sharp decline,
3: and it, it feels like the club has kind of stood still a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've all read the the comments from good old Daniel Levy uh, about how he thinks there should be no relegation in women's football. Um,
1: stupid. Comment.
2: And he said well, so Who it, asked you, mate?
3: But he said Quite. it at the right, right at the time where Tottenham were under threat of relegation. There was a key reason why he was saying it is because he doesn't want to necessarily, I don't think, invest any more in his women's side. But to keep them to the top, top league, that he's going to have to. And uh, with relegation and with everyone else and the competition around them growing and growing and investing and investing, uh, he's going to have to buck up his ideas, I think, a bit and kind of pull his finger out to keep to keep the team moving in the, the right direction. Otherwise they're gonna be in trouble next season and they'll be in trouble this season after as well. But the well,
1: thing, they have good players. Mm. Like this is the thing. I don't feel like we've seen this team cohesively play together and play well together. So they should already be doing better with the players that they have. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see if Vicky stays on, um if they get in a new manager. Um but something needs to be done to get that collective group of players you know, running smoother because the quality's there.
3: I will just caveat as, as well. They've had so many injuries yeah. this year. Mm, yeah, and we all all talk about a lot about Arsenal's and Chelsea's injuries. Tottenham's injuries were crazy. Like the amount of ACLs they've had. Re Percival was missing. Kyle Simon was missing. Kit Graham. Ellie Brazil. Yeah, um, has been out all season. You know, it's not just one or two. It's a it's a massive like. Chalina Sadowski was missing because of um, illness for the last part of the season. It's a lot of experience that they've been without and a lot of also attacking play. Um, so I guess maybe having a good summer and, and bringing their, their, their squad back to, to full fitness come the, the new season, that mm. might help as well.
2: Well, another team that has floundered, I think, a little bit this season, West Ham. Just hearing news now that Paul Konchesky has left after just the one season in charge. Which will come as a shock to a lot of people, considering that they've only won one league game in 2023 and finished eighth. Yeah, it was sarcasm, Rach. I was going for a sarcastic <laughs> point there. It wasn't me being like completely out of the loop with West Ham and what's going. But I love that you fact checked me there. I really appreciate that. That's why I've got you. Live fact checking. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they've got they've just been very inconsistent, haven't they? But um, yeah, do we think so that they're going to be? The same kind of vibe next season, or do we think that they, there's a risk that they could be slipping into the relegation battle, doing a kind of Spursy
3: type number for us in the in the 23 24? I think they're another club that have been quite happy to coast in mm-hmm. the WSL, and I think that showed by their appointment of Paul Konchesky after Ollie Harder left last year. I mean, Paul Konchesky's CV as a manager uh, is a grand total of an assistant manager at Billericay Town and mm-hmm. the West Ham Academy and then West Ham Women assistant. And I'm not sure in the top division of women's football that's enough to get you the, the top job at West Ham. It shouldn't be enough. Um, they were very devoid of ideas. They started the season pretty well. Uh, they seem to be playing lovely football, attacking. They have really good attacking players. Uh, but as soon as other teams figured out how to keep them out in the first 15 minutes and Mark Dagny, daughter, out of the game, uh, they had no plan B at all. And that's how it fell apart. And then this form in 2023, it's just been absolutely dire. I mean, absolutely terrible. And yes, they got their one win against Leicester, but they were outplayed that game. They mm. got their goals. It was a penalty and an own goal, I think. Uh, but they Leicester had like dominated every single statistic within that game. So the, the fact, I'm not sure, it really is telling that their, their form is kind of picking up towards the end of the season at all.
2: All right, well, you heard it here first. Uh, SoS put her flagpole in the sand. West Ham for a relegation battle in the 2023-24 season.
3: Unless they get Kelly
2: Chambers in. Unless... Turn things around. Kelly wants to take on that massive challenge. Uh, Another legend in the game. Speaking of Kelly Chambers, thanks for the segue, Rach. Uh, Izzy Christiansen announced her retirement last week. She's, like, one of the favourite faces of the game. She's just got this, like friendly aura about her Um, obviously doing amazing things with Everton she's been with Birmingham, Man City and Lyon she's a player who's missed out on the World Cup through injury back in 2019 so we never really got to see her you know fully be there on the international stage which I think is always a massive shame Um, but I think I mean when we were sort of speaking to her a little bit last week with The Athletic and Katie did a, a, an amazing interview with her and she was saying it sort of felt like the right time. She'd been thinking about it for a little while. She's just bought a house. Um, you know, she's kind of stepping into the next stages of her career. Obviously see a lot of her on the BBC now, Sky Sports, but what a career that she's had. I feel like we've kind of missed out on seeing more of her age.
1: Yeah, I think, um, and sometimes maybe that happens with certain positions in football, that particularly that kind of midfield position always doesn't always get the plaudits it deserves, I think. Um, but she has been, I, I just felt like I, she didn't get a lot of game time this season um, at and, and Everton, which surprised me. Um, but equally, I was still surprised that she retired because it didn't feel like, it felt like she had more in her. Um, she's only 31. Yeah.
3: But I, I like that because we all know when talking to her, she's one of the most like smartest football brains there is. The way that she sees the game and analyzes the game and we've heard it, whether she's on the radio or on TV. Um, I think she's ready for the next stage of her career and I mm. got I quite like the fact that she's been able to do it on her own terms. Yeah. And she's just recognised that she's done uh with playing and that she's ready to step into that more punditry media role and she has so much to give in that in that field and I'm pretty sure we'll be seeing her everywhere mm. over the next, you know, year or so. Uh so I just like the fact that she got to do it on her own terms. This is not this is not the
2: last we're gonna hear from Missy Christensen. Drum roll, please. You've missed another cue. I can't cope. I'm trying to host a show with you, and it's just becoming impossible. I try to be sarcastic. I'm um, listen. I'm try afraid to, to say anything now. I try for a drum roll. Just stay quiet. And in there's case just I get nothing tomorrow there's a big announcement is there yes thank you for your engagement on that point um it is the world cup squad being announced i thought it was at st james's st james's st george's park the other saint um but it's not it's in the arse end of sutton coalfield Mm -hmm. so that that's interesting was an interesting choice to um you know choose a location for such a, a prestigious announcement massive announcement um not too sure what the uh, the the thinking was behind that, England, if I'm honest. Uh, not great. But I think, I mean, we're all kind of waiting, bated breath. We don't know. Well, we do know some of the squad, but also there's obviously been quite a few injuries since the Arnold Clark Cup, since the other international fixtures that we've had. But, you know, Williamson obviously being out, uh, McIver now being uh, ruled out. Kirby, we know for definite, is out. And Beth Mead, despite all the will in the world that she keeps throwing into pressers is probably most definitely 99% out of that squad. Um, so yeah, who do we think will be stepping into these positions? Do I have a, I have a feeling Zellem's going to be in there. I have a feeling.
1: Maybe. Experience. Yeah. And I also Calm want head. to, I want to see Beth England in there. I think yeah. she's done enough. Fuck,
2: fuck me. She deserves it. Oh yeah. I know definitely. I don't like swearing. I don't like the f word. Yeah, I know. Podcast, and, and we don't
1: normally swear. On we the don't pond, do, do that. Even.
3: We don't. But Beth, mate, you've, You've done a lot. (laughs) She has to be in there. Like, if you're looking at forward positions, Rachel Daly, yes. But she's the second top English goal scorer this season. And Alessio Russo is a kind of different style. So Mm. I think it it quite complements each other, those three. Um, I think you definitely have to take those to the tournament. Uh, I think it's really surprising that they're announcing it this early. Mm -hmm. And that it's only going to be 23 announced this early. Normally you have like a long list. So Mm -hmm. you have like 13 and, and then it's cut down a couple of weeks later. Um, if we think back to the Euros last year, I think it was, yeah, 30 went into camp at St. George's and then it didn't happen until maybe three weeks before the tournament. Mm. Do you think remember. it's anything
1: to do with the fact that they have less time with the squad because of all of this ECA stuff?
3: But they don't actually have that much. It's four days difference now. Like They don't actually have that much less time with the squad. I think probably the injuries have come into play with that. Maybe she kind of has always known her 23 um, and that she's she's just ready to announce it. None of this, like...
1: Mm you know, and getting messing gives, around. And give, it gives those twenty three players they know they're going.
3: And and there'll be a reserves list as yeah. well. So I'm sure in camp up until the time they go to um Australia, I'm pretty sure the reserves will be there as well. Mm. Just in case touch wood, nothing bad happens, but just in case anything did bad did happen and they'll they'll train as a group and become a cohesive group, hopefully.
2: Well, some a player who does feel that she's very much embedded in the squad. Georgia Stanway, uh, clearly been preparing for the summer. She swang she swang. She sang a sweet Carolina Bayern Munich's trophy presentation, having also sung it at the start of the season when she joined. And not a single note was hit. Of course. I mean, what else are you expecting from Stanners? Um, but I don't think it's gonna be any surprise when her name is called out tomorrow. Um, yeah, but we'll wait and see. Where are you going to be this weekend? I mean... Champions
1: League final. Where else? You flying out there? It's Eindhoven. 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 We're, Eindhoven. We're getting the train.
3: We are. We would planned a weekend in Amsterdam and then we're now finding ourselves in Eindhoven. The lovely. League final. Very lovely. And who do you think is going to walk away with the, uh, the
1: old Barcelona. champions?
2: Barcelona. No surprises there.
3: And then. also, if Barcelona win, it means Chelsea go into the Champions League at the group stage. Whereas if Wolfsburg win, it means Chelsea would have to go in at second round to qualify. Interesting.
2: This is why we get My you pleasure. on.
3: This is why we get you on. And why Rach probably
2: married you. It's um, one of the reasons, yeah. Those re- little bits of football nuggets. yeah, well, They're invaluable. Yeah. Um, I will be watching the game. I'm not heading over to Eindhoven, but I think I'm working it uh, with uh, Charlotte and a few of the other team. So, yeah, we will obviously keep you updated on how that goes as well. There's so much to chat about with the Champions League and the World Cup selection. Uh, But thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Upfront and for listening throughout this season. We really appreciate everyone who's commented, liked, uh, given us crap, given us applauds, everything. So thank you so much for for sticking with us and listening every single week. Uh, Rachel and I will be back again on Thursday with our Upfront End of Season Awards. Uh, We'll also have an extra special episode coming up next week. So listen out, people. It's exciting. Um, if you've ever got, if you've ever got, if you've just got any questions for us before then, please tweet us at Football Ramble, Raches at Girls on the Ball, and I am at Morgie underscore 89. See you soon. Up front is a stack production. And part of the ACAST Creator Network.
0: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years.